Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Who's ready for an inspiring word from God? Yes! I know I've already said a lot about them. I just want to say really quick one more thing that they don't know. They don't know that they did this to me. And because they did this to me, they did it to all of us. Okay? In the nearly seven years I served, Liz and I served under Pastor Dale and Sharon, three things happened in my life. First of all, I never knew that you should take a day off. And when I first moved there, we worked for a week, and Pastor Dell said, oh, we're off on Mondays. And I'm like, we're what? So what do we do on Mondays? Whatever you want. Take the day off. And so for the first time in ministry, I'd been in ministry, I'd been a missionary for many years, I'd never learned the value of taking a day off, of honoring the Sabbath. I learned that from them, and now my, I, my wife, my family, and all of our staff are very happy that we take a day off every week, Right? Thank you. Okay. Another thing that all of us have really benefited from was I had read the Bible, you know, since I was a kid, but I had never in a disciplined way, like actually used a plan to read through the Bible every year. And I remember being there the first or second year when Pastor Dale insisted and really encouraged the whole church to read through this thing called the Life Journal Bible Reading Plan. I think I've done it 12 times now. All right. How many of you have now read through the Bible on a plan since being at Encounter Church? And many others are doing it now for the first time. And we learned that from you guys. So thank you. And <sighs> never seen people that truly, truly love and value kids like Pastor Dale and Sharon. We learned the value of making kids a top priority in church. And because of that, now all of our kids and all of your kids are blessed. So Knowing that we have those values because of them, I want you guys to stand up and give your absolute very best encounter welcome to Pastor Dale and Sharon Walker. Goodness, goodness. Oh, thank you, thank you. You may be seated. Wow. Man, this is high energy. I, I'm so excited. I just wish I could jump like RJ and Hunter. I wish I could do that, but I'd fall over real quick. And uh, so thankful to get to be a part of this amazing event. And one of the things I get to do, you know, this is Pastor Appreciation Month. And I just wanted the pastors of Encounter Church to come up here right now. Would you just thank the Lord for your pastors, all of you pastors. Come on up. And we just couldn't be more thankful, more proud. Wow. And I just know that you all want to bless them. I'm gonna, I want you to hear from Sharon. You've got to at least hear something from her. So I'll let uh, her say something about these amazing pastors too well we just we just couldn't be more full and filled and we are just smiling all the way to our toes I mean 
what a God-filled holy place this is. And we just feel so proud. You know, when we walked in this building, um, it's so much more than what you see. You could feel the presence of God really so strong in here. And, um, you know, what makes that happen is you guys and you guys, you know. The presence of God comes where he's wanted. And... um, and he's wanted here. And you could feel that. And you know there's so many lovely things about this building. But you want the presence of God. And, uh, and that is encounter, right? Yes. So we are just so, so, so proud of you guys. Um, I don't even know how to say that enough. Um, one thing that I just would like to reiterate is just the value of these parents. You know, a wise woman once told me that... Um, The little boy who had the loaves and fishes, he had a mama that packed that lunch. (laughs) And there is a place in a church like this where you can jump like RJ for the grandmoms. There is a place for the granddads in a church like this. And uh, they pack the lunches. And don't ever underestimate the value of that. It's powerful. It's powerful. So Dale's going to pray. Yeah? (laughs) Would you just stand? Let's stretch our hands out towards each one of them. And just say, God, you must love us a lot to give us shepherds like this. You must really love us. Come, Holy Spirit, and just pray that the encouragement and the kiss of heaven will come we do thank you for felicia what a what a woman of god pour out a holy spirit for becca and rj we cannot say thank you enough and how those students lives will never be the same bless uh, anoint uh, father for for liz and hunter what a gift and what a what a privilege, Lord, to be shepherded by people of integrity and full of the Holy Spirit. Bless them. Juliana and Dion, we thank Diana, we thank you so much for their just incredible support and blessing. Lay down their lives for the flock here and just we see it in such deep ways. Pour out your Holy Spirit. Thank you for Caleb and Bree. Thank you for their anointing, their gifting to give their hearts to the youth and just bless reaching this generation. And Father, together we speak and declare over them strength, health, favor, wisdom, grace, anointing, joy, fun. Lord, that it will just be the delight of their life to lead this for the years to come. We bless them. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. God bless you all. Thank you all. You may be seated. Um, Again, we had this wonderful privilege to get to be with many here, some 20 that were from our church in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, I think Hunter came in about 2007 the next year. Uh, Liz and he were married. And, and I knew that Hunter had the right stuff to be a great pastor because one of the first things, and we laugh about the story, 
um, we have these kids things. You know, we say at our church, we're, we're a ministry for kids and adult care is also provided. But we were providing this uh, party for kids. And, and we said, Hunter, your job is to dress up like a ladybug and to, to leave the ministry. And boy, you should have seen that ladybug preach. And uh, in my heart, I knew this was a man who would do anything to reach somebody for Jesus. And uh, I knew he was going to be doing great things, and they certainly are. In our time, as you may want to look at the sermon notes, you know, I, I just want to kind of talk from my heart, but I felt today to give a message that's really not an exhortation for what you're to become, but just to just stir up what you already are. Maybe I could just pour a little gasoline on this fire because it's so powerful. And Liz, why did you make me cry so much? I don't know what you did. And uh, Sharon, I might need some Kleenex. I don't know. She might help me. I don't know. But, but I, I called this activating revival through acts of love and justice and mercy. And, you know, we, we know the future is revival. We know that the Lord has called this church to host the presence of Jesus in an incredible way. I just even had a dream while I was here of a, this, this place is just the start. There's a big auditorium coming. And literally thousands of people will experience a revival from God. And, you know, when we think of revival, we think of a sovereign work of God. And certainly that's part of revival God's sovereign move. But there's a part of revival that really God calls us to activate. It's, it's, it's not just, oh God, send revival someday. He says, I want you to activate my presence through your love, through your passion, through how you seek me. I'll move, but I want you to move first. <laughs> And I just want to talk a little bit about that because I believe revival is both an inward work of God transforming us as we cry out to him as we're here today. But it's an inward work that has an outward effect on our community. It's something God does in us, but then it's something he wants to do through us. I don't believe God wants us to have a great time in this little part of the woods is what I call it. <laughs> he wants the culture of Kennesaw and Atlanta and Georgia and the nation to be impacted by this church. It's a bigger calling. And that involves going just beyond us. Bill Johnson says revival is God's heart being put on full display. God wants our community to see his heart. And, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of sad, especially in this political environment. I think the message sometimes isn't being heard by the people without Christ of who God really is. Unfortunately, when people hear evangelical Christians, they don't all hear love and healing, reconciliation and forgiveness. Something gets lost in the translation from what's really us and what's really in here and what they're hearing. 
And I know Hunter and Liz from Mexico, they've done a lot of translating. And I don't know, they have some stories about how things can get lost in the translation. <laughs> I remember my brother was preaching and down in Guatemala and he was preaching. And uh, you shall rise up on wings like eagles. And you know, he thought he was really moving in the spirit. The people just sat there. Well, the translator kind of mixed up the word eagle with buzzard. <laughs> And you shall rise on the wings of a buzzard. <laughs> they were like, ooh, that's gross. <laughs> but something can get lost from what God is and what they hear he is and what they understand he is. And as much as the words are important, they got to get more than words. They got to see it. They got to feel the heart of God. It's got to be on display in how we live our life. And so our, our, just a very familiar verse, if we could look at Matthew 5, 13 to 16, and, and just kind of read it with me. You are the salt of the earth. Let's just do this, because I want to make it first. Would you look at somebody and say, you are the salt of the earth. <laughs> All right. You say, yeah, you're really salty. I can tell. All right. Somebody, I heard some of them say, you need more salt, girl. I don't know what that is. Anyhow. All right. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. All right. Get ready again. Here we go. You are the light of the world. You, somebody. You. Come on, brighten up, brighten up. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds, somebody say good deeds. deeds. Shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. There's four things I see. Number one, I see that he's saying, you have a calling. Somebody say, I have a calling. See, it's, it's not just to be a good person. It's to be a transformational person. See, it's not, it's not just to go to heaven. You're supposed to bring heaven to where you live and where you work. It's not just, I'm not going to go to hell it's to come and kick down the gates of hell, all right? How many know we need to give some hell to hell? You know what I'm saying? It means that there is to be a flavor about us that changes the atmosphere, that affects the culture, that means our kids are going to grow up in a better culture than maybe we did, and there'll be more fear of God, and there'll be more respect and dignity. There'll be a... A, a more kind and holy environment. And that the, that the whole city will begin to, to change because of this light that gets brighter and brighter. See, God hasn't called you to be something, just a blessing to your family. He's called you to be revivalist to your city. Somebody say, I'm a revivalist. <laughs> See, that's who you are. Do you know who you are? That's from the moment you're born again, your spirit 
comes alive. And it's a bright light. And it's, it's, a, it's a infectious, incredibly infectious, potent, powerful spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And it, and it has results if that spirit is allowed to rise in you and affect the world around you. And that's my heart today, that, that we will let something go deep in us, but we won't let it stay in us. You see, a lot of people know they're going to heaven, but they don't yet know their purpose for being on earth. And I just felt like the Lord told me to stir that up today, that you are a called person. And, and called means you were born to make a difference. You were called and, and birthed before the foundation of the world. God saw you and he said, I have, I have plans. You are my workmanship, Ephesians 2.10, created for good works that I've preordained before the foundation of the world. And, and if you don't know that, you're only half alive. <laughs> if, you're, if you're not living your purpose, I, I believe that one of the greatest forms of poverty is poverty of purpose. Someone said the poorest man is not the man without a nickel, it's the man without a dream. It's the person who hasn't got their dream yet from God and why they're here. God wants to stir that up. You see, I really believe many people get saved. And, and then they think, okay, I'm, I'm saved. And they don't take the next step, which is to be called out of this world to the purposes of God. When they do, everything changes. I see my wife Sharon, and she, she got to teach and share with the kids' workers yesterday, but what's beautiful, so everything's beautiful about that woman, I'm telling you, she's beautiful. But when she's 15, she has just accepted Christ before I knew her. And from that age, she got her purpose. It involved, you're gonna be a mother to many children beyond your own, you're going you're gonna to bring life to children. And she began children's ministry at 15 years old. And I won't tell you how many years, but Jubilee is coming. <laughs> and the number of children who now have spiritual children all over the world, you wouldn't believe. When I was 17, I, I was on fire for Jesus, but I'll tell you the night that I got born into my calling. You know, it was like, yes, you're saved. Now what? And God gave me a vision of people blindfolded walking off a cliff. And I won't tell you all this. He said, go take the blind off. You're going to be a communicator for the nations of the world. And when that happened in my life, it switched. It switched from well, I'll do, some, I'll do some volunteer work or something like that. It switched from that to I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor. Can I tell you something? Encounter church. God doesn't just bless you. He's making you a debtor. You owe the whole world an encounter with Jesus. Not just to be blessed. Now what you've received, you need to give. And in that day, I realized the rest of my life, the most important thing about my life is that the mission of Jesus on this earth was what my whole life would be about. 
Not because I was, quote, a pastor, but because I was a Christian. Whatever you do, you see your purpose isn't about your, your career. It's about why you're here, about who you are. I have here, I love this. I just heard this from Steve Harvey. Man, what a, he's an anointed brother. <laughs> but he says, your, your career is what you get paid for, but your calling is what you're made for. So I, I, I hope you're getting paid for something, but there's more to you than what you're getting paid for. There's the thing you were made for. From the deepest part of you, you will know when you know that. God wants to stir that up today in your heart. Whatever that is, it's who you were meant to be. And so he says, you are difference makers. You were made to be light and salt, to make the world brighter and better. It's what you're born for. And it's what... God wants to release mightily in your spirit today. The second thing, he just makes this beautiful thing. He says, you're the light of the world. You can almost hear him saying, you're the only hope they've got. You're the only hope they've got. They can't see God without you. One of the beautiful things I love is this idea that the darker the world, the, the lighter the light shines. How many know right now we're living in a dark time for many people. It's a troubled world. But do you know what that means? Every act of kindness is exaggerated. You know, when somebody's really lonely, when life is easy and you say, hey, do you want a family? I don't need a family. But when they don't have anybody, suddenly a family is everything. When life is good, you know, just fine, but... When I don't know if I'm going to live or die, when I don't, all of a sudden, the little bit of light that's there becomes exaggerated in its impact and its potential and its, what it can mean for somebody's life. This church is our hour. We have what they're looking for. It's such an opportune time. Thirdly, it means we cannot become victim of circumstances because then our light will get shoved under the bed. We can't let a spirit of fear dominate us right now. If we, if we start yielding to the spirit of this world and we start becoming filled with worry, what are they going to see? Nothing. This is the time in your spirit to rise. What does it mean to be light? It means you're the positive for everything that's negative in the world. You're the positive. Where there's fear, your faith. Where there's hate, your love. He says, let that shine. Rise up in your spirit today. Say, Holy Spirit, you know, rise up in me. Greater is he that is in me. Tell someone, greater is he that is in you. This world's not going to defeat you. And it means, as I said earlier, they've got to get a message that's more than words. What does it say? They will see your good works. There's something they will taste, they will smell, they will feel. 
as you've all heard it, you know, people forget what you say, but they never forget how you make them feel. And how I many you know you can do that in, in 30 seconds today when you go through Wendy's or whatever you do? You can be the light of the world. You can let them feel the heart of God. You can say, God, in the name of Jesus, let your heart be on full display as I talk to that person. As I see those little kids, let your heart be something they can grasp because I get down on their level and I speak in a certain way to them. And let, let something that I do for my neighbor this week make them feel the presence of God. Not just because I, I went to church. That's not going to impress them. I go to church. Well, yeah. Someone said, yeah, church is where you go to to become more judgmental. That's what someone told me. <laughs> I don't need church. I'm judgmental enough. <laughs> no, it's where you go to be filled with love. Where you go to be transformed. You know what's happening in this revival? You don't sense it completely because you don't aware what God's doing. For one thing, he's taking out the fear of man inside of you. See, the reason revivals have not happened out there is these inner stuff like the fear of people. I want to look good. But when you get zapped in the Holy Spirit, you don't care what people see. You become somebody who says, I got to get this message out. I got to get this love out of me. That's why it's worth your time to soak in the Holy Spirit. To just get, get on your knees, to get transformed deep. When the Spirit's moving, lean into it. So that real transformation happens. You're not afraid of people anymore. And you can be a light for God. This is deep in my heart. And there's just a couple of things. How do we do this? How do we get salty enough? How do we get bright enough? I think it starts with something I call a divine dissatisfaction. Where we're not just satisfied with the status quo. How many know for too long it's been too easy to be just a religious Christian and, and a cultural Christian and to just get in a pattern and month after month and week after week and nothing really radical changes because we're so much just like everyone else. But God does something in revival where you start to get an ache. I call it you get a good hurt in your heart. And it's, and it's for real transformation. You know, I was deeply impacted. Maybe some of you read the book, uh, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, by Jim Cimbala, pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in New York City. But he was writing how revival broke, broke out in their church. And he said it started with this despairing moment. And I love this quote. He says, I despaired at the thought that my life might slip by without seeing God show himself mightily on my behalf. I hope that bothers you to think you might live your life and never see revival. And never see God do something so mightily in your life that your family and your kids are changed. That the history maybe of a thousand generations in your life 
past is changed into a whole new generation because of the power of God that's upon you that goes into your children and grandchildren into the generations to come because you were so impacted by the power of God. I hope that would keep you awake at night. What if I miss revival? I hope that would disturb you a little bit. If all you ever got was rich or famous or had a good pleasure or an extra boat or something else, I hope it would bother you that you would say, is this it? I hope it would bother you that you were just known as a good citizen. I hope it would bother you that something in your life didn't become so intense with God that when people were around you, they weren't just comfortable, they were convicted. (laughs) Not because you're condemning them, but because your life is so real. What does that mean? It means you hunger and thirst for righteousness. It means you cry out. There must be more. I've never met a group of people where you can do that more than the encounter people. (laughs) That's all they did when they were in Las Cruces is, let's have another prayer meeting. (laughs) Let's cry out for revival. And God answered it. And that's why we're here. I believe that that divine discontentment is a burn for issues around you. I'm burdened for justice in this hour, just as you are where it's on such display, the injustices of our world. And if we're silent, if, if we're, if, you know, we're not going to be tempted to go do some evil thing, but someone said the real temptation is that we will tolerate evil. Yeah. Yeah. We'll tolerate it. We will say, oh, that's terrible. That's horrible. What are you going to do? I'm going to say, it's terrible. I might even go on social media and say, It's terrible. Well, awesome. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to speak up? Are you going to show up? I believe with all my heart, there's a justice calling on every one of your heart. Something's supposed to get under your skin. Something's supposed to bother you. Remember Popeye, he would say, I can't stand it. I can't stand it no more. We need some Popeyes. Not, I'm talking about Brutus, but you know, whatever. <laughs> There's some Brutuses out there. Maybe it's like someone I talked with a week ago saying, Pastor, do you know the statistics on eighth graders? In this whole part of our city, they can't read. That's not right. Well, why can't they read? Well, you know, most of them have single moms they never got read to, they don't get read to, and the schools just pass them without teaching them to read, and they're going, and that's going to be a lid, and they're never going to rise anywhere that they could have risen because nobody taught them how to read. That's not right. I said, yes, sister, that's not right. What's God telling you? Is he disturbing you enough to go read with some of those kids? What is it? Let it burn inside of you. I can't stand it that there are people hungry today. I believe that as you cry out, God begins to raise up what I just call this justice and compassion calling. 
Let me just quickly, because I don't want to take too much time, but just Isaiah 58 was the word I wanted to get to. As I was praying about this, this chapter jumped out and said, this is the pathway to revival. This is exactly how you get there. So let's just read it real quick. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the law of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want me to be near them. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We've been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why, I responded. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds, bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. And give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. Do not hide from relatives who, ooh, this one will get you. How many have been ignoring that text? Whoa. Do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then, somebody say then, your salvation will come like the dawn. Your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord, say the glory of the Lord, will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yokes of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. That's unjust. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. See if this sounds like revival to you. Then your light will shine out from the darkness. And the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruin. I just love this. Some of you will heal the damage done by generations of wrongdoing. You will be called the rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes in Jesus' name. That's called revival. But notice, it doesn't have much to do with how loud can you shout hallelujah or how, <laughs> how, how good do you fast. How many know God has some pet peeves and one of it is pious people who don't do nothing? <laughs> it just, he says, I just can't stand it. You are so sanctimonious and woo, the church and woo, woo, woo and all these fancy words. But, but then you cheat people and you don't even care when people have injustice happening in their life and you don't step up, speak up for the hurting, and you're okay with that. And he just says, I'm just not okay with that. And I'm not trying to put something heavy on you today, but I believe it's a word from the Lord. I'm trying to stir up what's already in your heart.
Jesus says, in the last day, when you go to judgment day, what is the Lord going to talk to you about? Isn't it interesting? Have you, what, is, what is he going to say? There you're standing before the king. Doesn't this blow your mind? He says, what I'm going to say is, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Yeah, but how about all the other stuff? The committees I was on and, and I was in prison and you decided to visit me. And yeah, but, but I did all this good work. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in the hospital. And you were extravagantly generous towards those who could never pay you back. When God started stirring us at the beginning of our church, God send revival. You know, he kept telling me, pray and fast for the, the hidden victims in your city. I said, what do you mean? The people that are suffering and no one sees, no one knows, and no one's aware of. And I won't tell you all the stories. I'll just tell you one, but First place, he says, you know, go to the nursing homes. He just said, there's people there that haven't been visited. And, and it was Christmas, and I took a, a group of our church people, and we are going to have a Christmas party. Well, they put us into this, the Alzheimer's unit, and, and, and it was fine, but everyone was asleep. And so I got up there, and, and I brought my guitar, because they won't let me sing with my guitar at home, but... I figured this is a captive audience, so they're going to let me sing, you know. And uh, so I get on my guitar and, come on, everybody, joy to the world. <laughs> so I didn't work too good. So I preached, man, I preached, I preached. <laughs> and finally the Holy Spirit just said, Dale, stop it. Go kiss them. Just go kiss them and tell them you love them. And I kissed the first man right on his forehead. It got the same result several times. And then I, I kissed this lady on her forehead. I said, I love you. She jumps up. She says, oh, I love you too. And she throws her arms around me. Must have thought I was her lost husband. I don't know. But instantly the atmosphere of that room changed. Everyone woke up. We began to dance. We put on some music that people could really sing to. But we just began to celebrate. And the whole thing turned into a party. The Holy Spirit just came. And afterwards, as I was, I just never had a more profound experience from God, which I heard him say, Dale, thank you. I was so lonely. I was just waiting to die. But you came to me. And you kissed me. It was like, oh my God, I just kissed the face of God, you know. What, what the Lord is saying is this is not complicated. This is just showing what his heart looks like to people who need it the most wherever they are. I loved what you did Friday night. It was just so beautiful out there at the park. And I just want to challenge us today because Encounter Church is going to host revival. But can I tell you, the biggest impact of revival will be outside of these walls. God promised, did you see what the scripture said? 
I'm going to put favor on you. You won't be able to stop it. Healings are going to spring out. Financial blessing. How many know when you start to give and when you just start to be generous that, that you can't outgive God, that you just open the windows of heaven bigger to you and you just say, God just says, I cannot wait to support that work. I just cannot wait to send my blessings. You know, during this pandemic, we, we just said, God, we've got to do something. What are we going to do? And we prayed. And all of a sudden, we found out somebody was looking from USDA or someone to distribute boxes of food. And we said, we're your people. All of a sudden, we began to get these boxes and deliver. And, and since, uh, since May, God's allowed us to help distribute over 30,000 boxes of food to people. We could have never afforded to do that. That's something like... I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But all we did is to say, God, we just want to, we got to be the light here. We got to do something. And then healing started happening. One old guy, he, you know, we pray over every car that comes through. And one old guy just said, I said, you know, how are you doing? This was Misa praying. And he said, I can't even move. I've got the shingles, you know. And he was just suffering. And they prayed over him. The next week he came, he jumps out. He's dead. He says, I'm totally healed. I'm totally healed by the power of God. God is just waiting to move, and I just want to challenge you. What do you do? And I put some in your notes. You can read it later, but just go and start listening to people's heart. You can't be the answer if you don't know the question. And you may think you know the agenda that they need, but you don't know the agenda that they need until you sit where they sit and feel what they feel and hear what they are thinking about. Just was reading about a brother there in San Diego, and he's a police officer, and with all this mess going on, God called him right to the neighborhood where so much of the protests and hate and injustice, and you can imagine going in there as a police officer off duty, just saying to the guys there, I just want to talk to you. I just got to hear your heart. You just began, they called him every name. He just began to hear it and just, uh, uh, you know, some of the, the guys in there said, well, he said, what is your heart? And he talked to the teenager. He said, well, they closed. You say, all we wanted to do was play basketball, but they shut down our, you know, our, our place. He figured a way to get that open. And, and then they said, and they closed it at four, five o'clock. He, he figured out a way to have midnight basketball with free pizza. He just began to bring people from the church. Just love these people. Just care about them. Listen to them. Next thing you know, he, he's helping them do job, job applications, helping them find jobs. He's talking to the companies. The crime rate goes way, way down. And then they want to hear about Jesus. And then they want him to be their mentor. And they want to introduce him to their family. What did he do? He just listened. He just stepped where it was a little scary to step. Didn't know what would happen. But he just said, I got to do something. And I don't know how this will turn out, but I won't be the one who sat back and said, oh, wasn't that bad. I'll be the one in there caring. We have to see all that God has given us, not as something that we deserve, but as an awesome responsibility that we have. You know, there's a lot of talk about privilege. I just, those of us who are missionaries know if you live in the United States, you are privileged. If you can flush a toilet, man, you're better than 80% of the world. What does that mean? 
I know what it means for an encounter church. You're going to do something in Cuba. You're going to do something in the nations. And it's not going to be like, one, we're proud because we work so hard. We're America. No, and it doesn't mean we're going to be ashamed. We should feel bad because we're blessed. It means, thank you, God, that to whom much is given, much is required. And we are stewards, and we will be faithful, and we will open doors. I just left one more story. I just went to, the, you know, I was involved in 20 years in the Philippines and, or more, just ministering and starting church. But, you know, we, I'll never forget the first time on the streets of Davao Philippines, I met all of the, the rugby boys, they, the, the people who, the little boys that sniff glue and they live on the streets. And, I, you know, I would just try to minister to them and talk to them. One day I was going into McDonald's there in Davao, and it just freaked me out because they're all jumping in with me, and, and, and I walked through the door of McDonald's, and when I walked through, some of the boys started to come with me, and this security guard jumps out with his gun, and he says, stop it right there. I said, wow, dude, chill out, man. <laughs> and then I said, hey, they're with me, and I gave them a little love offering or something. I don't know what it and about 20 of these boys come into the McDonald's with me. We get them the happy meals. I'm blown away. They, they are just overwhelmed. They had never been in a restaurant. And I said, get these boys two happy meals, you know. And it was just nothing to me. And then all of a sudden, God said to me, Dale, do you know that everywhere these these boys have been all of their life. The only thing they've ever come to is closed doors. You can't come here. And you can never become that. And you'll never be a part of this group. And you will never know this. Because there's no one who's going to invite you. You don't have any connection. You don't have any equity. You don't have anything. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just said, Dale... Can you imagine, do you realize, just, you know, you're not the pastor of a mega church, you know, you're not a rich man, or what, but you could open doors for tens of thousands of people. You could open the door of salvation, opportunity, healing, justice. I just said, God, Please, I beg you, let me be a door opener for the rest of my life. I know that God has unusually blessed my life, Jared's life, and Encounter Church, Hunter and Liz, because of this one thing. We are not content with what we have. We will fight for the rights of the poor, the hurting. God has promised, therefore, your light will shine. You will call unto me, and I will answer. You will rebuild the homes of many generations. You will be called the restorer of broken walls. Would you bow your heads with me? Just RJ, come. You know, let's stand. Holy Spirit, it's such an honor and privilege to have this opportunity to be in this moment of history where you are forming 
a congregation that is going to host revival, not only here in the Kennesaw area, but for the nations of the world. Lord, I just felt that today you're speaking to us. You're speaking to us to be ready, to be transformed and to be transformational. Let me just speak a couple of words. One, someone here, the Lord wanted me to say this because he's wanting you to be stirred up in what your purpose is. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I know what my career is and I know what I like, but I don't know what fully it means. The Lord today says, I'm going to release that. Maybe you knew in a season of your life in the past, but somewhere things got blurry or fuzzy. And I just promise you the Holy Spirit is going to awaken in you your purpose again (laughs) because he wants it more than you want it. And I think the big question is, am I willing to become a debtor? Am I willing to become a kind of person like Paul said, I owe the Gentiles, I owe everybody the gospel. Would you be willing to live the rest of your life and say, I owe you all an encounter with Jesus. I owe that to the nations and I owe that to my city. And then you just say, God, I don't know what it is, but your mission on earth will become my passion for the rest of my life. It will be why I live, whether I'm, you know, whether I'm a doctor, an accountant, you know, whether I'm a teacher, whether I'm a supervisor, whether I'm a worker, whatever I am, it will be why I am. And my why will be greater than all of the rest. It will be the reason why I don't stay down and put my lamp under the bed and live in discouragement and self-pity. It'll be the reason why I get up every day and put the devil under my feet. And it'll be the reason that I'm generous and I risk and I'm completely sold out to what you want to do. And then one other thing I just felt, and it's so huge. I, I love to say your purpose is to make a difference with people who are making a difference, doing things that make a difference in ways that make a difference by the supernatural of power of God who multiplies that difference. And it always involves other people, it involves a church, it involves a body, and, and you don't make a difference by yourself. And I just want to challenge some of you that, are, that maybe you're considering whether you're called to this church or if you're called to another church, just fantastic. But could I just challenge you today? It's time to be all in. It's not time to be kind of in or sort of in. And some days I'm in, and last week I was in, but tomorrow I'm out. It means I'm in. This is my body. This is my kingdom family. I'm, I, I'm part of it I'm the elbow of this arm and I'm showing up today and I'm part of this and and I'm willing to be obligated to some cause and responsibility that inconveniences my life because the world is at stake and if if that's you I just want you to in your heart express that to the Lord in some way say Lord yes wherever that body is whether it's encounter church or wherever it is I'm ready to be in. I want to make a difference with people who are making a difference, doing things that make a difference in ways that make a difference by the power of God who makes the difference through us.
Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And if anyone's here today and you just need to kind of get right with the Lord, this is a perfect moment. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He bore the unbearable shame of a cross, crucifixion, because he loves us. And he rose again the third day and he says, whoever will believe on me, he says that they will not perish, but have everlasting life. If you'll believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you'll confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. And just with every head bowed and eye closed, I just know somewhere in this room, someone just needs to come back to the Lord today. This is a great day to be starting over with God and to give him your heart and your life and to fully dedicate. Maybe you had the Lord, but you just sort of wandered off track. And today you'd just like to put a stake in the ground and say, Lord, here I am. I'm surrendering to you. I'm receiving your gift of salvation or I'm rededicating my life to you. Forgive me, Lord. Come into my life. Not just be somewhere around here, but be the Lord of my life. Be in control of my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm making that decision. Thank you so much, sister. Thank you, bro. Awesome, my friend. Awesome. Beautiful. Can we all just say it together to the Lord? Lord Jesus, I surrender all. I believe that you are the Son of God. That you died on the cross and that you rose again <laughs> and today I choose you as my very own Lord and Savior take the throne of my life be in control thank you Jesus Lord let the Holy Spirit reveal deep in their spirit that the blood of Jesus washes them from all sin that the Holy Spirit is changing who they are at the deepest part of their being. That their name is written in heaven. That they are new creatures. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. Can we give the Lord a hand? Praise him for this day. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.